Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show. Happy Tuesday to you. Life, love, and liberty. How are you guys doing? So I've been a part of a few spaces today. Uh, one which left me really um, moved. I, I was really disturbed uh, in my spirit. It, it was regarding the COVID vaccines and um, mandates and whatnot from people all over the world. Uh, people from Australia, people uh, who were in the Netherlands, Greece, Germany, um, telling us here in America about how uh, they are increasingly becoming uh, really prisoners of their state, their respective states, right? We know Australia is particularly egregious with regard to the vaccines and being able to get out and move about. And the existential crisis that this is creating is really beyond our comprehension. If you'll just hop into some of these spaces on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, even if you're not, it would be worth it to just, you know, create some bogus account. And uh, if you don't want to engage, I can't say I blame you, but I would really encourage you to get into these spaces and pay attention to these conversations. And I'm going to tell you why. Because many People are extraordinarily isolated. And that is never a healthy place to be. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically. It is not a healthy place to be. And COVID started a lot of this. And some of you just realized that you're happier at home. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I can go for days And never leave my house, never see another person because I work from home and I love being in my home. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I have to, now I'm forever engaged with other people, but I'm all, I'm usually in fellowship on some level, right? And I crave that. I also recognize why the scriptures tell us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves, Remember, the early church was in hiding in many of in many respects, right? Many of their locations, and they would meet in people's homes, right? Think about what people went through during the Holocaust. I mean, you weren't going to temple, right? You you were not leaving your home, in, in a lot of instances, and you certainly didn't trust your neighbors. We talk about breeding generational. Uh, mistrust or distrust of people, right? And yes, those things do and can alter your DNA and get passed down. Absolutely. I 100% believe that. And so when people say that it's, you know, racism, quote, racism is uh, nurture over nature, I disagree with that on some level because I believe, and there is empirical evidence for me, it's not just anecdotal, um, to the contrary, And I have actually had several uh, black colleagues come on to my show in the past or speak with me privately um, 
who talked about this in great detail. They never understood why they were afraid of certain things. And ultimately, in looking back through their lineage, a lot of things started to make sense. So all that the world is breeding right now is isolation, division, hatred, fear, phobia, accusation, guilt, shame, revenge, envy, jealousy, covetousness, every abomination you can think of. It's all coming at you at lightning speed. And myself included. And so I was reading this afternoon as I was thinking about, you know, am I going to address the Ghislaine Maxwell trial? Do I want to look back in history at, you know, uh, the fall of colonialism in Africa? You know, I mean, any number of things. Uh, do I want to look at what's happening on our, um, on our college campuses? Um, you know, the supply chain issues, uh, the FTC, um, there's so many places that I could start and, and go into and bring God into every one of them. Because ultimately, God is the only strategy we have from my humble perspective, right? But what I'm seeing is a lot of despair, particularly in these spaces. And today's was was manifestly different. I can't explain it. These are folks who, when you hear their testimonies of what they're contending with, and they can't go to school, they can't leave their homes past a certain distance, They have vaccine passports, digital passports. Some of them cannot shop because they refuse vaccination. Others are scared to death because they've actually taken the vaccination so that they could get on with life in some capacity. And now they feel awful because they see that it's never going to end with boosters. And then some were horrifically just, you know, terrorized that at the thought of having to decide between, you know, the barrel of a gun possibly one day and, and their physical autonomy, even though they've already given that autonomy away because they thought they had to in order to, quote, get on with life, two vaccines, you know, two and done, right? Or in the case of Johnson & Johnson, one and done. And now you're seeing that all of that is a lie. And it was really heartbreaking to hear what I heard in their voices. And so I wanted to talk about a very basic tenet of Christianity as it pertains to those of you who are in the faith. Those of you who profess Christ Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. And and I am keenly aware of the distinct difference between the two because I've certainly... Um, made a practice of confessing that he is my savior and believing that he's my savior, not necessarily surrendering to him and submitting to him as my Lord. I've been very candid about that on my platform. And I would imagine a lot of you contend with that as well. So there's, I'm certainly not here to condemn or shame or any of that. Not at all. On the contrary, um, I'm reading your notes to me about struggling with bipolar, with night terrors, anxiety, tremors, stomach issues, blinding headaches, 
uh, fear of relationships, right? Pending divorces, alcoholism, a myriad of addictions. I mean, you name it, it comes through my inbox, suicide ideation. And so I want to talk about something very simple that is a prescription that John gives to us, as in the Apostle John, not John, not John the Baptist. Okay, two different people. But I want to talk about in in First John. Okay, it's talking about healing, and I am going to start my Bible study soon. So I was actually sitting here praying about where the Lord wants me to begin because so many of you are are anxiously awaiting getting started, and you're thirsty and you're hungry, and that's awesome. That is so good. That is such a great place to be in. Because God really is gathering. He's gathering his creation unto himself. And so for those of you who are ready to answer that call, I applaud you. And, and you know, my prayer for you is that all of the um, yeah buts, all of the opposition, all of the guilt, all the shame, all of the voices that the enemy likes to heave, you know, as roadblocks between you and, and getting to that well, I just thank the Father that, all of those roadblocks are removed. Every one of them. And that you just come exactly as you are. With all of your grievances, all of your objections, your opposition, all of it. Your yeah buts, why's, how comes, why me's, can't believe it, where was God, all of that. Just come to the table. Because he's prepared a feast for you in the way of his word. And I'm trusting that through our time together, he is going to bypass all of my frailties in humanity and even use them to, to feed all of us like a really delectable meal along those lines. uh, You might see a little bit more of, of me promoting or marketing my book online. I have not done that really since I wrote my book, to be honest with you. I did for a very short season of time and and then I didn't. I got caught up in radio and you know, it just it wasn't um I wasn't focused on it, but it's called When Jesus Isn't Enough. The Ultimate Meal for the Starving Single Woman by Monica Matthews, okay? And there's a there's a picture of a delectable meal that a very dear friend of mine who's a chef here um a highly rated chef, uh, dear, and a friend that I grew up with uh, from childhood, Pano, Pano Cartasas. He is Greek and a uh, fantastic chef. And so we put a little piece of lamb. There's like a lamb chop and, and a nice little filet and some orzo and some bread, some broken bread off to the side. We left the wine out of the picture because, you know, my editor was like, oh, you know, for the Christians who don't drink, they might get offended and not pick up the book. Hindsight, I should have just left the wine, Right. Because we are dealing with the broken body of Christ, the bread, and the blood of Christ, the wine. So, and when we get together to to break bread in His name, He is there with us, right? And so He He told us to do that as often as we gathered was to commune and to partake of His broken body and His blood sacrifice for our sins, right? To redeem us unto Him and the Father, um, and to the Godhead and to each other right? That's a talk about reparations. See there? See there? (laughs) So uh, while everyone else is running around trying to get cash, hoping that mammon's going to be able to repair something, 
right? And I'm not saying that there's not, you know, value in monetary damages for something, for suffering and pain and all that. But as it pertains to the human condition of the sins that we perpetuate against one another, particularly in this country in the way of slavery, I do not personally believe that handing someone a check is going to um, heal the soul and heal the generations and the lineage of people who carry that within not only their cellular structure, but their spiritual structure and their mental, physical, social structures, uh, professional structures. So I just, I believe that mammon is kind of a really poor substitute for that. But back to the book, I'm promoting this book. Not only Christmas is coming up, it'll make a great uh, Christmas gift for people. You can download it. There's also um, a study guide that you can download as well that's available on my website at monicamatthews.com. Um, and I will actually be implementing some of that with my Bible study coming up. But th- I will tell you that whether you're single or you're married, you're male or female, everyone gets something out of this book. And I'll tell you why. Because the word does not return void. And every one of you, as men included, are going to be able to relate to things in this book. And it's actually going to be very enlightening for you as it pertains to women. And I'm not a male basher, so I love men. I love you guys. And so there's a chapter dedicated specifically to you or for you, right? In in an effort to in an effort to, you know, educate my sisters a little bit on, you know, putting down the swords <laughs> and uh and and giving you guys cutting you guys some slack, you know, instead of making you our Jesus or our Holy Spirit, understanding that you were created from dust just like us. Right. And also giving you room to be the men that you were created to be. So I'm encouraging you to go to my website. You can go to Amazon. You can uh, download ebook, EPUB. I think it's also there. Um, and, and you can download it, read it from your Kindle, whatever you want to do, or you can purchase a hard copy of it. But I'm encouraging you to do that because I come from the perspective of the woman at the well. And many of you are very thirsty and you're hungry. And you are starving spiritually. And I know this because I would have never had that many people sign up for a Bible study in the past. Never. Especially not being a member of a church, right? Like I don't have a home church right now. And so I I did not market to a church. This was something that my sister in Christ, Wendy Rogers, tweeted out. And she retweeted it. Next thing I know, you know, had a little bit of virility to it. And um, all things virus, these are good viruses, right? Whenever we get good news that we can grab a hold of and we can come together and fellowship around it, right? That's a good thing. So again, um, I would encourage you to purchase this book, not only because, you know, sure, it, it helps in, in the bottom line of my household, but that is certainly not my motivation for pushing this, or I'd have been pushing it the whole time. It's because I see that you're hungry and you're thirsty. So there's that. Now back to um, back to healing, okay? Um, I want to talk about this because, there you go. I'm in 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse... 16. Okay. If any man see his brother's sin, a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin, not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. 
All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Okay, so we're so we're talking about if you see someone who is caught up in sin, right? Uh, many times, and whatever that is, like many of you see me online sometimes, and I'm just about to pull my hair out, right? Or I'm cussing abundantly. And so and what y'all like to do is remind me, right, of the word instead of stopping right then and praying for me, right? And, or either addressing me from, from the perspective of, hey, uh, what's going on? Because I see, you know, I've noticed that, you know, and some of you do, where you're like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? But it's more of an accusation, right? And so part of loving each other is looking at something and being able to determine whenever someone is off, right? Maybe off the straight path. Maybe they're about to go over the cliff. <laughs> Maybe they're wandering in the dark, right? And so we are called to, to pray, because it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And it is his will that no man should perish. So you don't even have to think about who you should pray for. With the exception of, as he just said, you're talking about sins unto death. And whenever you go to study the sin unto death, what that is, is really blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because it is the only sin that is unforgivable. And what is that exactly? Well, every cross-reference, and I'm not a theologian by any stroke of the imagination, but I do understand how to cross-reference my citations, okay? And I do pray for wisdom before I get on here and talk to you guys or read and try to, you know, uh, mull through it. As my understanding is that to blaspheme the Holy Ghost is to do exactly what the Pharisees did to Jesus. They assigned evil to his works. They accused him of being a devil, of casting out devils in the name of Satan. And Jesus's response to that was very kind of like, I could see him with like this quizzical look, like, do you even hear yourself and what you're accusing me of right now? Because a house divided against itself shall fall. And if I with devils or by the devil are casting out devils, how would I continue to stand? So I caution people, and I watch myself too, for everyone who accuses, quote, healers, right? People with a gift of healing. You, you know, John also in here in this book of, of First John, you know, tells you to test the spirit, the spirits by the spirit, right? He also talks about the Antichrist spirit. There are many Antichrist spirit in the earth. He tells you all about that in this chapter as well. So as we are rushing over to Revelation looking for a revelation, you know, let's stop along the way to see what some of our forefathers and forebrothers and sisters, brothers and sisters had to say um, in the faith, right? And this is really important because a lot of you, again, are, are feeling, um, are feeling sick. You're feeling alone. You're feeling tired, right? You are um, feeling abandoned, and so I wanted to address this practice of calling upon the elders to anoint you with oil if you are sick. All right, so in James uh, 5.14, uh, is, any, is anyone among you sick? 
let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Right. It goes on to talk about uh, confessing your sins, right? Uh, and that your sins will be forgiven. And your sins will be forgiven. Your uh, illnesses will be healed. Anointing with oil, right? And so some theologians believe that that transfers into mental illness. It can mental anguish, emotional turmoil, spiritual turmoil, right? If you are diseased on any level, then you can call upon the elders of the church and have them anoint you with oil. I uh, am, am not so narrow-minded as to believe that, that, that that's not a possibility because any form of dis-ease uh, can lead to illness in the body, whether it's of the mind, the spirit, you know, uh, or the body, right? However it begins, I believe most diseases begin um, either in the spirit or a cross between the spirit uh, and the in the emotional and the genetic, right? And then it manifests. But even genetic dispositions, a lot of times there has to be like a triggering point, right? And so it's something traumatic. It is prolonged stress, um, but usually trauma, right? And, and certainly prolonged stress as well. Stress as well. And many of you are extremely stressed. You're afraid, right? And your immune systems are just getting beat down, And so I want to answer all of you collectively tonight with this particular scripture. And I know some of you do not have a church. You do not even know who to call upon for elders. And so you want to self-anoint, right? But there is healing in the horizontal. There is fellowship and healing, right? By his stripes, fellowship, by his stripes, stripes, that word stripes, is fellowship in the Hebrew between God and the Father and the Holy Spirit and us and each other and us and the Godhead. All of that fellowship brings healing, which is why I'm talking about the danger of remaining isolated. It is very dangerous to your mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical health to remain isolated. That's not what we were created for. We were created for fellowship, physical fellowship, to see each other's faces, to hug, a holy hug, a holy kiss, all of that that's right there in your Bible, right? And so whenever I look at COVID and I look at the man-made restrictions in the name of the science God that has yet to actually reveal itself to be true in this, to be anything short of a manipulator in this case, from the man-made virus itself for whatever nefarious reasons those were, to whatever this new world order brouhaha is, the demonics at large, the principalities at work, okay? The word of God still trumps all of that. The word of God is still truth over those lies. The word of God is still fellowship over isolation. And so I'm telling you this for your very lives, I'm telling you this because I feel prompted to share this with you and I need it too. And I live it as well. And I have never lived as in close fellowship as, uh, as I have in recent times ever in my life It's for a myriad of reasons. Right. But thank God I'm surrounded by a very solid group of, uh, of spiritual elders and spiritual siblings, 
right? All of us are going through this thing together, but we pray for each other. We, uh, we, I'm anointed by my elders. Um, you know, I carry mantles of spiritual mantles of my elders. I seek understanding from my elders and I seek, um, you know, discipline as well. You know, I allow them to speak into my life. Again, if they see me caught in a snare or they see me walking into a snare or sin, no one in my life is going to poo-poo on that who's my elder. Now, my siblings might, right, because everybody still has fun with dancing around with sin on occasion. And so you get that, right? But as it pertains to your physical being, please study the scriptures. And that protocol is really important in James 5.14. Just start in James 5, period, right? But and then in First John goes on to tell us why that, quote, works. Because you are fellowshipping and you are activating faith. And if it's one thing that's required to come before God, it's faith. And you know how much faith you need to have? The faith of a grain of a mustard seed, which is teeny, teeny, weeny, weeny, tiny. Teeny, weeny, tiny. Like small, 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 small. Like a flea bite. <laughs> like a tick. Like the smallest tick ever. <laughs> like a kernel, a, a like a, a peppercorn, but teeny, teeny, tiny fleck of pepper, right? That's how much faith. So you can bring all of your yeah buts, although the word says, you know, if any man doubts, don't expect to receive anything. Thomas doubted. And, you know, and Jesus in his compassion and mercy was like, here, put your hand right here. It is me. It's me. Because he knew his heart, right? He knew everyone's heart. He could discern people's minds as he was standing in the room with them. He discerned the spirit that they were contending with when, when anywhere he went. He knew what they were thinking. He addressed them right there in their thoughts in real time. They were like, oh, my God, how do you know that? Right? So you don't think he knows you? So just bring all that stuff with you. Leave it at the cross. And, you know, some of, some of you are desperate enough to where you, just, you don't have anything to lose, You've tried sitting on your head and chakra medicine and chakra Zulu and, you know, the bumblebee and Beelzebub ointment and whatever. Y'all have tried it all, right? And God is like, I got you. I have the prescription. I have the anointing for you. Now, there are people who do have a spiritual gift, an anointing of healing. And I do believe that wholeheartedly. I have to because I don't believe the Holy Spirit's dead and I don't believe that God's power died with the last apostle who was healing people. <laughs> so so I do believe in miracles and I believe that people are still anointed for healing, 1,000%. I also believe you have to watch some people and you should pay attention to their fruit. And you know, our mind is a very, very powerful thing. And some people have simply resigned themselves to die. And if that is the case, I've learned a very hard lesson in that. You can pray for people, but it is not godly to pray against their will. You can pray for their spirit to be revived. You can speak to those dry bones lying in that bed and call them forth in the name of Jesus to stand and to live, right? And what's in your bones? Your immune system, right? Your marrow. So you can speak to those things. And call them, you know, when people are sick and they've been battling for a long time and they've been on all kinds of drugs and therapies and they're tired, man. Like they're just physically, they're wiped and their spirits are broken. Absolutely, it is time to stand in the gap for them 
and but pray for God's will to be done. And he said that he came to heal every disease and to forgive all of our sins. So pray for doors to open for people when they're lying in their beds, for them to have a desire to live, right? That is something you can do. That's something I've done. But I have, I have been up against people who are just ready to go. And so what do you do in that case? Well, you hold their hand and you love them and you provide compassion and mercy and grace and you allow them the dignity and um, the sovereignty to make decisions regarding their own lives. Now, if you see that they're in a snare and the devil's all over them and pouncing hard, you know, then you get busy with your prayers in another way. But if it's you I'm talking to and you've been struggling for a long time, I wanted to bring that hope to you, right? And there are elders of the church all over the place. And I I just pray that you would seek wisdom on who you can reach out to, who believes the scriptures are still alive for today. Because a lot of people won't. They'll look at you like you've got three heads. You know, they'll, they'll bring up Joel Osteen in the middle of your, you know, he was a false prophet. He's always, you know, all that mess. I don't listen to that stuff because we spend so much time beating the bushes for devils as the church that we are literally so impotent whenever it comes to the power of God as the church today, because we're so busy looking at other people's stuff instead of just, you know, having signs and wonders follow us. We're just filled with accusation about other people. We can't believe, look at all the money he's got. And he's got just a big church and he's got a jet. And he's got this and look at what he's got, 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 got. You know, and I'm like, well, is anyone in that place being fed? You know what I mean? I, I got to tell you something. Old Joel, you know, maybe he is a fault, whatever. I don't know, but I'll tell you what he did for me one day. So, I always look at this as a race like Paul, right? Like we're all in this race called Christianity. And so there are sometimes, man, I have just fallen down and my, I've knocked a tooth out. My face is bloody. My knees, I'm all skinned up. Look like I'm 10 driving down a hill on, a, on my huffy bike with no brakes, right? And I just flip over my handlebars in life and I'm just splattered. And, you know, I'm in the race. People are trampling over me, running past me. You know, it's like a stampede because you know how as Christians are sometimes. We don't, it's like, oh, psh, sorry you got caught up in that sin again. Got to keep running past her, right? Lest we get stinky like her, we got to keep moving. You know how we are. And so, but I was so cut up and bruised up and it just phew, all up in the trenches with the devil and all kinds of craziness, right? And old Joel, man, I passed Joel Osteen one day on the old television and he was the exact cup of water I needed. He was the exact cup of water. The message that I heard that day was the exact cup of water I needed to restore me just enough to get me back up on my feet and back into the race, even on my knees. So I don't judge people and condemn people like Joel Osteen. And many of you don't know that his sermons um, are basically cut down to like nothing. And I'm not defending Joel Osteen. I'm telling you my personal experience. And my point is, if we spent more time looking around us, looking around ourselves, outside of ourselves, as well as paying attention to what our needs are, we would be standing there with, with buckets of water 
right, called the word, of hope, of truth, even hard truth, right, of instruction without fear, but with love for our brothers and sisters in this race called the race of Christianity. And we would be ready, willing, and able to give them what they needed. And so, no, this isn't about Ghislaine Maxwell tonight. Because honestly, whatever happens with that woman does not affect my daily life right now in answering your emails and listening to your broken hearts and your fear and terror and intimidation and dread. I re- I respect the fact that many of you across the globe are contending with some very real devils. And it is affecting your health on a number uh, of levels. And so I hope that this encourages you. I Again, hope is the strategy because he is the God of hope. So he is the strategy for every single thing we have going on down here in this wackadoo world. And we've forever been instructed not to be um, of it. You know, we're in it but we're also seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly. So it's really important to remember that. I hope that encourages you. Remember, go to my website, monicamatthews.com. Get out your Bibles and get ready because our Bible study is going to be fun, fun, fun as soon as I figure out what we're going to talk about. Uh, But I love you. I really do. Be good to yourself. Receive God's love. Be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirrors. And remember... If you're an American, act like one.